Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. So this is James, uh, James 1, starting at verse 19. Know this, my dear brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. For human anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. So put away all moral filth and excess of evil and receive with humility the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deluding yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away. He immediately forgets what sort of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect Torah, the Torah that gives freedom, and continues in it, not becoming a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He shall be blessed in what he does. Hello. (laughs) Hello, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. I've just been to the optician, so I've got to wear these now. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, I can just about see you. Okay. I've been all away all week at Keswick Convention, manning the CMJ UK stand. That's the church's ministry amongst Jewish people. It was an excellent opportunity just to share and to have all sorts of Messianic Jewish people come and share what's happening in Israel. So if you don't already pray for Israel, please do. God is doing an amazing ministry in that place. More and more Jewish people, whether they're secular or whether they're coming out of Judaism, are finding their own Messiah. They're finding Yeshua HaMashiach, that's Jesus the Messiah, and that's fantastic. So it's been a really encouraging week. Maybe not the best preparation for today, but here we are. Let's see how we get on. So today I'd like us to focus on one main point in our passage That's really unusual for me because usually I like to go verse by verse and try and follow the writer's line of thinking. But in preparing for this, I think it's this one truth nugget that we need to be examining today. So verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Now Steve started excellently last week. I say he started excellently, I didn't hear him, but I'm sure it was brilliant. The letter from James is a call to action. Well over half of the total number of verses in the whole letter are direct commands. James wants his hearers or readers to realize that at its core, Christianity is active. So following Jesus implies effort and movement and progress. Is that our usual experience? Maybe we feel we're a bit stuck in our walk with Jesus and we're not really sure why. Maybe it's because spiritual growth and maturity don't just happen. We need to be intentional and invest time and energy in becoming the people God wants us to be. 
This isn't about self-awareness or personal development. This is partnering with the Holy Spirit so that we are changed and we are agents of change in our families, in our workplaces, and in our neighborhoods. Part of the problem is that in the UK church, and I put this with my global missions hat on with contacts with folk all around the world, is that we've inherited the idea that our faith is about what we know rather than what we do. So when someone with a Western perspective comes across a biblical concept, he or she says, do I agree with this? When someone with a more Middle Eastern perspective comes across a biblical concept, he or she says, what's my response? You can see that this is vastly different and has affected Western Christianity for centuries. This is the mindset that faith equals belief. This means we concentrate on knowing what is true and getting all our theological ducks in a row to make sure that we believe and understand all the right doctrines. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with theology or doctrine. That's my day job. But we need to recognize that it's equally important that our faith is something that is lived out in our attitudes, our character, and our behavior. In biblical interpretation, the first appearance of a word in the Bible sets a precedent for how it's going to be used, sets a precedent for uh, its use through the rest of the scriptures. In the case of faith, emunah in Hebrew, which might come on the screen, we find it first in Exodus 17. So think about that. Isn't that interesting? The word faith is not found anywhere in the book of Genesis. With all that goes on and all the people to whom we're introduced, that word isn't there. So here in Exodus 17, the Israelites are attacked by the Amalekites. Joshua led the Israelites into battle, if you remember this story, while Moses stood with his hands raised toward heaven. Exodus 17 verses 11 and 12 say, As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So where's the word faith? In this first passage, it's translated as steady. Moses' hands remained emunah till sunset. The root meaning of emunah is determination, persistence, steadfastness, commitment, endurance, and so on. Take a look at a thesaurus sometime. Faith is linked to action. So when Aaron and Hur held up Moses' hands, They were steadfast. They were faithful. In English and Greek, faith is a noun, while in Hebrew, it's a verbal noun. This means that it implies an action. So we need to realize that when we see the word faith, obviously in English, we need to have in mind faithfulness. 
When God is described as being faithful, it's always connected to his activities as he takes action and does things in people's lives. In Mark 2, we have the story of the paralyzed man whose friends weren't going to let anything stand in their way of getting to Jesus. So if you remember this story, they climbed on the roof where Jesus was and ripped it open. In verse 5, it says that Jesus saw their faith. How do you see faith? Well, you see faith when it's put into action with determination and persistence. So with this in mind, let's think about inward and outward change. In our passage, in verses 23 and 24, James writes that the person who only hears God's word without doing anything about it is like someone who looks in a mirror and immediately forgets what they see. So imagine someone going out for a special occasion. They look in the mirror to see if they're looking sharp and they're ready to go. They notice, however, that they have coffee foam round their mouth. They have spinach between their teeth and their hair looks like a rat's nest. They see all of this, but as they turn away from the mirror, they forget it immediately and they head out the door. There should have been a reaction. There needed to be a response to what they'd seen. How much more when we hold up God's word which isn't so much concerned with our appearance as to what's going on in our hearts. It was common in the ancient world for people to go out to listen to prophets and teachers. However, this became a form of entertainment similar to us going to a concert. People listened, they enjoyed, and that was it. At the end, people would clap and say how great it was and then go home. It was as if they were saying, wow, God wants us to help other people. That's amazing. Now, what's for tea? They had listened, but what difference had it made in their lives? So for us in the West, this isn't in other parts of the, of the world, we have our home life, our spiritual life, our leisure life, our work life, and so on. This means our faith can become something that we do at a particular time, but not at a time that we've set aside for something else. But if we find ourselves looking at the life of a disciple and saying, oh, I am so busy, how can I possibly fit this into my already busy day, then actually we've not understood about discipleship. If we think this, then following Jesus becomes a burden and we become guilty or we can become guilty for thinking that we're not doing enough. I fall into this trap way too often. Sometimes I feel I need to be doing much more, working for God, serving the Lord, getting involved in all sorts of different things. Otherwise, something's wrong and God's not happy with me. But the Lord doesn't check up on my hours, but offers an invitation to me and to you to be transformed, to become even more than we could ask or imagine. So the reality is that the biblical life puts God at the center and weaves all the other aspects of our lives from that point. Our relationship with God should merge into everything else. 
Our commitment to Jesus should blend into, choose your own metaphor here, should blend into or mix with or seep into every area of who we are and what we do. This is what makes our faith, our faithfulness, authentic. In Colossians 3.17, Paul says, whatever you do, whatever you do, I think that's kind of all-encompassing, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So when we think about inward change, there's all sorts of things we can be doing to become more and more like Jesus. And yet, the Christian life is not just inward. God wants us to live out of who he says we are as his chosen and cherished children of God. Romans 12.1 says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Ah, worship. There's another misunderstood term. If we remember this principle of first mention, so the first time something appears in the Bible, it sets the precedent. Well, the first time the word worship appears in the scriptures is in Genesis 22. God told Abraham to offer up his son, Isaac, as a sacrifice. When they arrived at the designated spot, Abraham told his servants that he and Isaac were going over there to worship. Abraham didn't go up the mountain to sing a song. He went up the mountain to obey what God had said to him. He went up to do what the Lord asked him to do. So here at Southside, when we think of the worship team, we think of the amazing people who stand up here and lead us in songs of praise. What they do is phenomenally helpful uh, for entering into the presence of God and engaging with him. Where would we be without these guys? Amazing. So of course that's worship. But so is setting up before we begin. Or serving coffee and tea or packing up the van at the end. All these are acts of worship, and so is putting out the wheelie bins for an elderly neighbour, helping a child with their homework, taking time to talk with a colleague who's upset, praying for Israel or any parts of the persecuted uh, world, so on and so on. Worship is a life of obedience where we live with our hearts and minds orientated to God no matter what we're doing or where we are. Unfortunately, once again in Western Christianity, we've made a real dog's dinner of this. As people argue particularly over this issue of grace versus works. In fact, these are not two things that they're pulling against one another at all. They are like two hands outstretched as an offering. So on the one hand, we have the truth that it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. On the other hand, we have the truth, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but, uh, but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? So are Paul and James contradicting each other? 
Thank you. We need to factor in the importance of context. Paul and James were not writing to us. So while all of Scripture is for us, all of it needs to be seen in its cultural and historical setting. So Paul is writing to the Gentile church in Ephesus, where the Christians had come out of a worldview of idolatry and paganism. This demanded that the people earn their way into the favour of the gods. They carried this mindset into their belief in Jesus and were trying to be worthy of their salvation by gaining merit and being people who deserved salvation because of all the things they were doing. Paul writes, no, that's not how it is, and explains about grace. James is writing to Jewish people living around the Roman Empire. These Christians had come out of Judaism that taught that they were the chosen people, saved through the Exodus, approved by God, and they should rejoice in their status of being highly favoured. They carried this mindset into their belief in Jesus and were listening to God's word, but were not responding to the challenge of being changed into the likeness of Christ. James writes, no, that's not how it is, and explains about works. So neither of them were writing an abstract system of theology that functions in a vacuum. What they were doing is writing to these specific people with what's known as contextual theology. And while you don't need to become familiar with that term, you do need to see that the idea of grace versus works is very misleading. We contribute nothing to our salvation. We were in a broken relationship with God. We had rebelled against him, and we were powerless to make our way home to the Lord. The emphasis of the Hebrew essence of repentance is not just turning around like it is in Greek, it's actually going back home. Think prodigal son. We could do nothing, so Jesus did it all. That's grace. The death and resurrection of Jesus, that mean, as Romans says, that when we declare with our mouths, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And we are adopted as sons and daughters of the king of the universe. Yet, now we are his beloved children. Our heavenly father wants to work in us and through us, both for our benefit and for the benefit of the people with whom we have contact. So what James is writing is that works prove that we are saved by grace. Even in Ephesians 2, where we read about grace as a gift where no one can boast, the very next verse reads, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So James is clear, not just in today's passage, but throughout his letter, Faith is belief in action. Faith is faithfulness as we partner with the living God that whatever we're doing, wherever we go, we worship our Saviour and Lord through our obedience. And as we realise that we can't just listen to God's word, we need to respond, let's not see that as a burden because that's not what it is at all. 
Remember, it isn't just adding things in so you've got six new things to do before breakfast. This is about everything that we are in our discipleship moving into every other area in which we're involved. So the encouragement from the scriptures, even from James, who writes some pretty tough stuff, is that we can become everything God wants us to be. And using very familiar vineyard words, as we follow Jesus, live life to the full, and make a difference. It's all of those three things. Okay, they're not scriptural, but they are absolutely embedded within the ideas of the scriptures. So I wonder what God might be saying to you this morning. What action is he nudging you about? Maybe something inwardly, maybe something outwardly, or maybe it's both. This will be different for different people. So in a moment, I want us just to be quiet and ask the Lord what he, want to, what he might want to say to us. And then for us to be still. Be still and to listen to what he has to say. As I say, I've just come back from Keswick, which was as uncharismatic as you could get. But the one thing that I really appreciated is that when charismatics go, be still, that lasts for about two seconds before somebody says something or somebody sings a song. Actually, it might be really important for us to literally be still and to give God the opportunity to break into our thoughts, to break into our hearts, and to speak into our experience that this is what he wants us to do. So that what we share today, not just in this, but in the songs, in the prayers, in the fellowship, what happens today is just as important tomorrow, and just as important in the middle of the week, and just as important as we get to next weekend. As God works to change us to become, again, all that he wants us to be, we need to be listening to him, Otherwise, how can we be obedient to his voice? How can we listen to the, to the Spirit as he opens the Scriptures to us? How can we get involved in the things that he wants us to? So let's just pause and listen. And also, we're going to have the opportunity for communion in a moment, which is another opportunity just to stop and give God the space to say something to us, to us if he wants to. But for now, let's just stop and listen to the Lord. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.